looking at the, the trials and the tribulations of the very first church and, and what it took to get this church really a foothold and to get up and, and, and just striving in Jerusalem. And we've seen problems, we've seen issues with really getting things started in the book of Acts so far. One of the first problems that we saw early on was that the church had a lot of people. There's a lot of, of, of people that came from the, out of the woodworks to be part of the church. But the church really didn't have any resources. There, were, there wasn't the, the money or the, or the people that were needed to be able to, to support each other. And so we saw that, that people of the church, they, they started bringing in the, and they, they sold items to be able to solve that problem. And then we were there at another moment when... There was a, an issue with the distribution of food to take care of everyone that was part of the church. And that didn't seem to be working properly. And so the apostles agreed with the congregation to, to bring up some men into the position of, a, of like a deacon's position. And now a lot of other ministries got off the ground and they solved that problem. And we were there when outside forces came in to destroy the church. And literally, some religious leaders of other faiths stoned and killed one of the first devout Christians. And we were there in Acts when this man just went on a kind of a, a one-man Rambo Christian terrorizing spree as he brings down, he's working on bringing down the Christian church in Jerusalem. And we've just seen all of these things happen time and time and time and time again as this church started to get up and off the ground. This tyrant that went around Jerusalem terrorizing the Christians actually led to the spread of the gospel to other parts of the world and as he was trying to hunt down Christians and, and tear them apart and, and, and really just put a damper on the entire movement, Christ did something just, just entirely different from what Saul had planned. Saul wanted to wipe everything out. Christ wanted to use that to grow everything stronger. And that's exactly what happened. This man who was this enemy of Christ became one of the most effective heralds and the most effective evangelists of the Christian movement as he went from time to different place, from a time to a different place, from a time to a different place. And at one moment, Jesus confronts Saul. Saul is wicked at this point. But now Saul recognizes that Jesus has a plan for his life. And just like he has a plan for your life, just like... Like Christ has a plan for, for you, we know that your past is still your past. Saul's life, his past was still his past, but Christ is changing you and is using you differently. He is using those same skills that he gave you, but he's, he's using those same skills now very generously for his kingdom. You have the skills already that he wants to use for his kingdom in the future. And he's going to teach you something, just like he did Saul, to show you that what he has given you, 
what you do already. He just wants to turn this a little bit. He wants to turn this to be used for his kingdom. And even though Saul, that his life has been turned around, there are still people who only know Saul by his past. I wonder if there's anyone in your life like that, who when they think about you, what they think about is your past. They don't think about the fact that, that you've come to Christ. They, that, that's not in their mind. They actually want to get that out of their mind. They wouldn't dare accept the fact that you are a follower of Jesus. They didn't want to accept that about Saul at all. They, they wanted to keep putting him in that box of who he was, not who he is. I want you to come with me. We're going to start this morning in Acts chapter 9. I'm going to start in verse number 26, and I want you to see this transition that we're going to look at this morning. Acts 9, verse number 26, it reads like this. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were still all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Stop right there for just a minute. Is there anyone in your life like that? That you might, that you might have come to They know that you're here every Sunday. They know that you're reading your Bible now more. They know that there's a change, but they just do not want to believe that you are truly a believer. There's people in your life like that. Saul had previously, to this moment, he had been teaching people about Jesus in the city of Damascus. And while he was there, There was another man, probably a more mature believer in Jesus. This man heard that Saul was preaching, saw what he was doing, saw that his life had really been changed. This man's name was Barnabas. Let me tell you about Barnabas for a moment. Barnabas and Saul had a very similar upbringing. They were about the same age. They would have gone to Torah school till they were about 10 years old. And, and Saul would have gone on from there. He, would have, he was studying under one of the most famous rabbis of the area. His parents moved them from, from uh, Tarsus to Jerusalem, got him enrolled in a very, very good school. He's learning under this rabbi. And, and Barnabas very well would have known this rabbi as well. But they both would have grown up. In the Jewish faith, they would have grown up just with this fervor, just to, to, to be the best Jewish disciple that they could be. But Barnabas would have started following the teaching of Jesus and the apostles much sooner than Saul did. Barnabas was, a, he was basically a preacher in the city of Damascus. And he also had ties to the apostles in Jerusalem. I'm going to tell you why this is important in a moment. You remember, okay, so we've talked about the 12 apostles, right? Before they were apostles, they were called disciples, and we've talked about that. You're a disciple when you are a learner. You're studying. They were studying from Jesus. They are a learner. They are disciples. When they were sent out, now they are apostles, and Jesus has been resurrected. The 12 apostles are now in charge. They are in Jerusalem. That is their headquarters. And they know Barnabas. Paul had spent, at this moment in time, in Acts chapter 9, he had been in Damascus preaching, and then he spent about three years out in the desert. We don't have much information about this time, but it speeds very quickly in 
Acts chapter 9. So he goes from he goes from Damascus where he is preaching. Remember we studied last week when he had uh, the disciples there, the, the believers in Damascus had lowered him out of, uh, through a basket in the side of the wall of the city, like at night, right, so that he can escape. So he's out for three years. Now he makes a trip to Jerusalem. Saul does now. That's where the apostles are. That's the headquarters city of the Christian movement right now is in Jerusalem. Trust me. The Jews in Jerusalem and now the believers, the Christians in Jerusalem, they all remember. They remember who Saul is. They remember what Saul did. Anyone in your life that remembers that? What you did, who you were, and when Paul wants to meet with the apostles, his past is going to throw up a big red flag and get in the way. I wonder if your past has ever gotten in the way of you coming closer to faith. I wonder if it's ever happened that way. People like to remind us. They say, you know what? You're, why are you going? Why are you at church? Why are you trying to, 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 to be? Don't you remember who you are? It's like, no, but I remember who I was. I remember who I was before Jesus changed me into who I am. That's what people want to continue to remind you. So the apostles in Jerusalem, they've heard stories of Saul. They've heard the stories of him up in Damascus preaching about Jesus. But he's been gone for three years now. And, and when he's starting to wander around town, his reputation really does precede him. That's the first thing that people are thinking of. Saul rounded up Christians to throw them in jail. That's what they remember. Why would the apostles want to meet with this man? That's the same question as saying, you know what, my past, why would the pastor want to sit down with me? Why would anyone in faith want anything to do with me? I'm not that good. I'm not good enough for that. Yes, you are. Jesus made you good enough for that. That's what he does. You and I might be in that same situation at times. I wonder if our lives have ever been changed enough to where we know who we are in Christ. We know that inside. We're confident in that. But who we used to be is the only thing that other people continue to see. It's tough, huh? Sometimes it's tough to get over our past, to get past our past. It's not tough for Jesus to do. He's already got our future in mind. It's worldly minds that have trouble letting go of our past. And sometimes it's even us that has trouble giving up and, and, and getting on from our past and realizing that, that Jesus has a better future for us that he has created. We can't create a future like that. Not on our own. That's not our job. So Saul comes into Jerusalem. He wants to meet with the apostles. The apostles know who he is. His past is getting in the way of his spiritual growth right here. What Saul needs, what he needs, watch this, he needs somebody who will vouch for him. Wow, wouldn't that be helpful? Friends or family members, somebody who can vouch for us and say, you know what? 
I'm going to stand up with him. I'm going to stand up with her because I have watched. I've been there, and I have seen how their life has changed, how Christ has changed their life. And I know who they were, but I know who they are, and I am standing up saying, yep, absolutely, that life has changed. There is somebody in your life who could stand up and say that, whether they will or not, that's a different story. But there is somebody in your life who has seen that change. And let me tell you, you have seen that change in somebody else. That person who will stand up for us, that is so important. That was Barnabas for Saul. I'll tell you how dedicated Barnabas was to the Christian movement. And if you remember, I was talking a minute ago about the church, and and when it started, there were more people, and there weren't enough resources, and people started to sell their land, started to sell their possessions to be able to take care of the church. Come with me. I am in Acts chapter 4. We're going to go back a few uh, chapters to verse number 32. reads like this. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that they that they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything that they had. Verse number 34. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi, and he came from the island of Cyprus. Watch this. He sold a field in, that he, he sold a field he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles. I want you to see this right. This, this is the same Barnabas that we're talking about now in chapter number nine. The apostles, they know Barnabas. They trust Barnabas. He is one of the first people who came and sold a field, sold something he had so that he would bring the resources to the church so that the church can grow. And now Barnabas recognizes Saul from the other city that he had seen him in before. And Barnabas is going to stand up and he's going to vouch for Saul. So when Saul can't get an appointment to see the apostles on his own, Barnabas steps up and he says, okay, I'm going to make that introduction for you. Because people are hesitant to meet you. They keep thinking about your past, but I know that you've changed, and I want to help other people know that you have changed. I want to be here to support you. How do you think that, that, that Saul felt that day when he's trying to get in to see the apostles and he just can't get in, maybe he goes back to wherever he's staying that night and he just sits down on his bed and he's just so, maybe he's just so depressed. The bouncers won't let him in, right? They won't. What he needs is, he needs an in. He needs somebody to vouch for him. And here's Barnabas. And Barnabas encourages Paul, and he says, I know you, I know you've changed, I'm going to stand up for you. And Barnabas uses his reputation to benefit Saul. I'm in verse number 27, Acts chapter 9, verse number 27 reads like this, Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on his way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached Boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Wow, somebody vouching for you. Here's point number one in your notes this morning. This is so important. For those of you joining us for the first time or if you're online, you'll see some some fill-in-the-blanks on the back of your bulletin, and those are going to be up here on the screen. Everyone needs to know a guy. 
This is point number one in your notes. Everyone needs to know a guy, and you are the someone who somebody else needs to know. Everyone needs to know a guy. Isn't it nice to know a guy, right? It's like you got your, your engine's busted down. Hey, I know a guy, right? It's like, oh, man, my water heater is busted in my I know a guy. Isn't it nice to know a guy? We all need to know a guy. Everyone needs to know a guy. You are someone who somebody else needs to know. You are that guy. We're all that guy. See, you and I can be on either side of this relationship with Saul and Barnabas. You're either going to be the person who needs encouragement, or maybe, maybe you're that person who, who is. You're down in the, in the dumps, and, and things just aren't going right, and you need somebody to encourage you. Or maybe you are Barnabas. Maybe you have that gift of, of encouragement. You might be that person that seeks out others, that, that you can come alongside people who are struggling in their life and in their faith, and maybe financially and in their marriage, and maybe they're struggling with false worldly religion. They need that encouragement. It is so important. If you have that gift of encouragement, make sure you are using it to for just the fullest potential. It is so important. If you have that gift that you are using it, we all face internal pressures and external pressures on our lives. And let's face it, being a Christian is not easy. We need somebody. We need to know a guy. I want you to see what, what King Solomon writes. This is in Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 24. He says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. Isn't that important to have somebody who could speak into you like that? He goes on in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 9. He says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. If they fall... One will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has, no, has not another to lift him up. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul himself, now the Apostle Paul, we're going to get to this in a few weeks, is Saul, just changed, has a name change, Roman to Greek, but this is what Paul writes to churches that he has planted. I am in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, he writes, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. He's telling the church, build each other up. Ephesians 4.29, he says, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up, as fit for the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Inside the church, saying build each other up. Here's the second point in your notes this morning is this. Your voice is designed to lift others up. Your voice is designed to lift others up. Paul encouraged members of the church to encourage each other, to bring each other up. And it's more than simply calling to see how somebody is doing. It goes further than that. It's seeing what, what is it that somebody has done. Somebody's done something well. Maybe that's the thing that we want to target and say, you know what? Wow. You know, you have a gift, and I want to encourage you to use that gift. It's amazing, that gift that you have. Let me tell you, you have amazing gifts. You have amazing gifts that, that I don't have, that, that Kelly doesn't have. 
We all have different gifts, and I want to encourage you that that gift is yours. God gave it to you on purpose. He gave it to you to be used for his kingdom, in his kingdom. And I so want to encourage you to use that gift for the kingdom. It is that important. And when you can find that in somebody else and bring it up to them and say, Thank you for doing that. You are doing such an amazing job. I want to see you continue to grow in that area. You can be a Barnabas to that person. You're encouraging them. And we all need that inside the church. We all need that. I want you to see what happens next. I'm in chapter, I'm in Acts 9, verse number 28. Reads like this. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, boldly preaching in the name of the Lord. So not only does Barnabas encourage Saul and make this introduction, Barnabas also encourages the apostles, who he knows, to let Saul start preaching about Jesus in Jerusalem. Barnabas is encouraging individuals and he's encouraging a group. So this guy can teach people about Jesus and I need you to, let, to listen to him. And that's what somebody wants to do about your gift, too. Your gift might be, it might be administration. Let's face it, you might be really good at numbers. Somebody's going to encourage you. Hey, this, they can, wow, they're just amazing with Excel and with numbers. You need to see what they can do. You need to see what they can do for the kingdom. Because God's given you that gift. And others need to know about it. Saul eventually would write... He would write 13 books in the New Testament, now going by the name Paul at this point. He would write Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Philemon, Galatians, Philippians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. He would write Ephesians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, and Titus. This is a guy that used to round up Christians and throw them in jail. Now let me tell you something. The only reason that these books have made it into our Bible is because somebody vouched for Saul saying that his words are true, that this guy has met Jesus, and he introduced him to the apostles saying, I want you to listen to this guy. That introduction from Barnabas to the apostles introducing Saul may have been one of the most important introductions of anyone in history. If that wouldn't have happened, where would Saul be without Barnabas introducing him to the apostles? Paul would eventually go on three missionary journeys, walking over 10,000 miles by foot, all over this area, and he would take Barnabas with him a few times. Barnabas becomes a missionary with this same man that used to round up Christians. That means somebody wants to be a missionary with you. Whatever your past is, they want to combine with you and go out and bring other people to Christ, even with your past. People want to join with you. How do we become a Barnabas? Well, first, we need to be looking for someone to encourage. And I'll tell you, if you haven't found that person, you're not going to have to look very far. They're probably inside your house. They might be right next door. They might be sitting next to you right now. You don't have to look right next to you right now if you don't want to, because I know that kind of seems weird and uncomfortable. But there is somebody who you can encourage who is very, very close to you right now. 
Do you see the gifts that God has given other people? Watch this. You might see those gifts that they have given other people that they don't see themselves. You ever notice that? Like, wow, you are really good at that. You're really good at that. Oh, no, I don't really like to. No, you're good at that. Keep doing that. God gave you that gift for a reason. That's our job is to encourage others. Here's the third point in your notes this morning. It's this. Although you don't see it yet, somebody needs you right now. Although you don't see it yet, somebody needs you right now. I don't know who it is, but somebody needs you. Barnabas was part of Saul's ministry before Saul even knew that Barnabas was part of his ministry. Barnabas was this guy who came along and said, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there because I know maybe you're struggling. Maybe Saul, he was then struggling with opposition in Jerusalem. He couldn't get in, couldn't see the guys who he needed to see. Barnabas was there, but he was there to say, hey, you know what? Cheer up. I'm here with you. I know what you've been through. As a matter of fact, I know so much about you, and I know how your past is just, it's junk. Let's face it. But you know what? I love you, and I know what you've been gifted with, and I want to go on mission with you. Because you're that, you are worth it. You, you need that. You have a gift. That's our job. It's just to be there. Who is it that's just struggling with anxiety right now? And we can be there for them and say, you know what, I'm here for you. I just want to encourage you to keep going. I want to let you know that this is a season. You know the nice thing about seasons? They all come to an end, Amen. They all come to an end. Sometimes we need to be reminded that seasons come to an end. That means a new season's beginning. And here in our area, our winter, whatever winter is, is coming to an end. Our summer's about to be here, and it's going to get hot. But you know what the nice thing about summers here are? Eventually, they're going to come to an end. And we're going to time change again, and it's going to kind of cool down, uh, well, I don't know, what does it cool down to? Short sleeve weather. That's all we get, right? That's, that's about what we get, right? I mean, th- these, this is my winter clothes right here, you know. That's what we are in SoCal. I'm in Acts chapter 9, verse number 29. He, Saul, debated with some Jew-speaking, or Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. Wow. I want you to realize this. Just because somebody is encouraging you and just because you are encouraging somebody else, it doesn't mean that their problems are going to go away. No, that problem is still there. Saul is still struggling with opposition in Jerusalem. And this isn't the first time that he is that people have been out to murder him. They were out to murder him in Damascus when he was there. And now he's here and people are out to murder him again. So your encouragement isn't necessarily going to solve somebody else's problems, but it's going to help them through. It's going to walk alongside with them. It's, it's so important. And, and Barnabas, his encouragement spread like wildfire. Let me move on to verse number 30. 
It said when the believers heard about this, when the believers in Jerusalem heard that, that the other Jews here wanted to kill Saul, they took him down to Caesarea and they sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. Now, I'll explain that really quick. Basically, what happens is the believers, now Saul's new friends, the people that recognize that his life has been changed now, they say, you know what? You have been changed. The encouragement of Barnabas has spread. We've caught that. We recognize this as well. We're going to help get you out of town. They take him down to the coastline in Caesarea. They get him on a ship that takes him to, to Tarsus' hometown. They get him out of here because... Remember, just like it was in Damascus a little while ago, it's not safe for you here. But your mission, your job requires you to be on the road. If you get killed, like, wow, that's, yeah, that's not good for the gospel. We need to protect you. So say, okay, you know what? Let's all come together and help him out. They get him out of town so that he can continue doing his ministry. Now let me tell you something that's really important here. Is that without Saul doing his ministry, there's so many people that don't hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And we've already talked about the fact that Barnabas has, and let me tell you exactly what I'm doing here. Okay, So I apologize, that's like having my cell phone at the table at, at dinner time. Uh, the battery on, on this just died. So I'm pulling up my notes here, so I apologize. So hang with me for a minute, okay? So what we have is that these believers in Jerusalem, they know how important it is to have Saul in his ministry working well, and so they do. They get together and they get him out of town. But they only can get him out of town once they realize that this man's past is not his future. As a matter of fact, his future is much brighter, and it's going to brighten the church, and we really need him. That's your future, too. Your future is really bright in the church, and you are needed. You are so needed that people want to come alongside you so that we can make sure, so that we are there to make sure that your ministry continues. And I want you to see this. It all comes down to verse 31. Everything that has happened in this chapter, is for verse number 31. Saul being up in Damascus, Saul being helped out of a window, the gates of the city, him almost being murdered a couple of times, him coming into Jerusalem, him coming in and the apostles really kind of being a little bit wary of him, all of that happens for one reason. I'm in Acts chapter 9, verse number 31. It reads like this. The church then, then is past tense. After they, they've taken Saul, they've got him on the ship, he's out of town, he's heading up. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. No longer in the fear of Saul. No, in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers. Everything happened for that reason, for the growth of the church, for the advancement of the movement of Christ. It was all there for that reason. Everything had to happen. So you think about, what has happened in my past? 
It's happening for a reason. It's happening to advance the gospel. Now, am I letting my past advance the gospel, or am I letting my past hold me back from advancing the gospel? Mm. Am I letting other people remind me of my past that's going to, to be a barrier from me advancing the gospel? Maybe. That's happened. That has been problematic at times. This is the final point in your notes this morning. Your encouragement to somebody else is a very is a small part of a big plan, but that small part is a very important part. It's a small part. Your encouragement to somebody else, it is a small part of a big plan. But it's a such an important part. You say, well, so, Pastor, you're just asking me to go and tell people that they're doing a good job and just give them a hug and a smile. Well, you might think that that's really small. And it might be in the grand scheme of things. But it's a big part. It is a, it is a, it is a part of that big, big plan that God has already designed. Sometimes He's just waiting for some of us to be that encourager to somebody else to say, you know what, I got your back. I'm here. It's okay. I know who you were. I know that. I'm not walking away from you. I know who you were. That doesn't keep you out of heaven. Jesus says, bring your baggage. Give it to me. See, our past is junk. Isn't it? We can look back. This entire sermon series is called Not Worthy. We can look back and say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of Christ's love. Why me? Don't you know who I am? Don't you see what's behind me? Of course Christ sees that. You know what? He still wants to use you. He still has plans for you. He has still given you a gift to use to bring others to Christ. He still loves you so much. Now, he's got, he's got an instruction manual for us. Tells us, that, hey, now that I've got your attention, I want you to know that I love you. But come a little closer to me now. Let's get closer together because you know that path that you were on that's really led to a lot of this trouble that you've struggled with? I've got a plan to get you out of that. I've got a plan. As a matter of fact, I've got people who are going to come alongside you and encourage you too. Barnabas is out there looking for you. He wants to find you. He's ready to encourage you. And you know what? He says, I've put, a, I've put people who know me. I've put people of faith in your path as well. I've put a church family out here. Oh, they're not perfect either. They're not. They struggle too. To remind you that you're not alone. You're not going through this alone. But there are people here who want to grow with you. Christ says, come along. 
now that I've got your attention, come and meet, come and meet my family that I've put here in your path for a reason. He says, you know what? I've given you a gift. You might not know it yet. And you might not yet be ready to use that for my kingdom, but I've given it to you and it's there. And we want to develop that together. Because I gave it to you for a reason. I gave it to you for a reason. He says, come along. You're not alone. There's somebody. Barnabas is here. And that might be you. You. 